after Halloween is done, it's time to start the Christmas fun. Yes, my friends, it's Christmas Podcast Day. November 1st is the day you need to check your favorite podcast feed and join in the fun on Christmas Podcast Day. All your favorite Christmas shows are releasing brand new episodes. Some may say that it's too soon, but they're lucky we don't do it in June. So come along and have a laugh as we talk carols, films, and crafts, and all other things from the merriest holiday. Tell everyone it's Christmas Podcast. Join in the fun on Christmas Podcast. Download everyone on Christmas Podcast Day. Get in the sleigh, it's Christmas Podcast Day! Christmas Podcast Day. Hey! Come on in, sit a spell. We've got stories and jokes to tell. It's gonna be a great Noel. It's the Advent Calendar House. Muffins, black and smurfs, and even Garfield's Halloween. Gonna take a trip down memory lane Frosty, Rudolph, and a bunch you've probably never seen It's Mike and pals that come to entertain Turn the knob and lift the latch for fun and laughs that can't be matched And just beware the icy patch, it's the Advent Calendar House Hello and welcome to the Advent Calendar House, a podcast that's been locked in a water tower for the last three months, but has escaped in time for Christmas Podcast Day, a holiday originally made up for a hashtag when social media was slightly less stupid. Slightly. It is not Scrooge Sunday, but a bunch of other Christmas podcasts decided it would be fun to drop episodes today about different adaptations of A Christmas Carol, and I said, okay, but I'm going to cheat a little. So just sit back and relax as we unleash both segments from a 1993 Christmas episode of Animaniacs. It's time for Animaniacs, and we're saying it to the max. So just sit back and relax, you'll laugh, you'll laugh, you'll laugh. I am recently unemployed security guard living in a trailer that's surprisingly a lot roomier on the inside, Mike Westfall. And joining me is Princess Angelina Contessa Luisa Francesca Banana Fana Fofesca III. But you can call her Aaron. It's Aaron Evans. Hello, Aaron. Hello, Mike. <laughs> and the only person I'd trust to serve me delicious turkey jello, it's Joey O. Hey, Joey. Hello, Mike. <laughs> Your intro was a lot easier. <laughs> he got on the first tape. <laughs> Thanks for being here, y'all. I didn't even plan this, but Joey, you reminded me Animaniacs turned 30 years old this year. Yes, indeed. In September, it was the 30th anniversary of the debut of uh, one of my favorite shows of all time. One of my biggest, you know, comedic mindset influences for sure. Huge, huge fan from the jump of Animaniacs. Yeah, I also remember like day one, they had put on those promos on, on Fox Kids it was at the time. And I remember just being glued to the couch for that episode. I'm like, this looks like something I'm going to be very interested in. And I was correct. But do either of you remember watching this episode 30 years ago? Or did you watch it later? 
I'm sure I saw it. I saw every the first season, man, that first season, especially the, the first half of the first season, let's say I have, I know those so many of those like inside and out backwards oh, yeah. and forwards and long ways and slant ways. And, you know, <laughs> we, we reference them all the time. How many times we reference, you know, cookies for Einstein, stupid Einstein, dummy. <laughs> <laughs> and for so many years, we didn't watch Jeopardy. We watched Jip parody, which is the episode of thinking the brain one. Like <laughs> call it Jip parody. Yeah. Half the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brian. We were just talking about Bubba Bulba Brain. Yeah. Oh, that's a favorite. Yeah, I'm fairly certain I watched this when it first aired. That would have been December 6th, 1993, a Monday afternoon on Fox Kids. This was the 50th episode overall to air and the second of two Christmas episodes that year. A week earlier, there was an episode that featured Jingle Boo and a holiday concert with the great Wackerati. <laughs> we will absolutely revisit that some other time, but <laughs> there's so much to say about a Wackerati performance, you know? Excuse me. <laughs> other than that, that's pretty much all to say about it. Okay. Really. A bunch of time. Yes. All right. Put it on the board. But I can't think of too many other shows that put out two Christmas episodes in the same season. They were just going for broke. They had a lot of episodes. Season one has, are there 64? I think 65. I think that's 65. 65. I remember they had like, it was the Animaniacs 65th episode spectacular. <laughs> yeah, the only other show I can think of that put two Christmas specials out in one year was Sesame Street with those dueling 1978 specials. But that's <laughs> its own very weird case. I'm sure I watched this. I'm positive I watched this. As it aired, I'm sure I watched it whenever the rerun was. I'm sure I talked about it on the playground when no one else was listening. So, <laughs> yeah, I thought it was on the DVD set of that first season that I have and my father-in-law has and y'all have. But we went to watch it and it wasn't there. It's on volume two. Oh, it's on volume two. Yeah. Season one is because I found that again because. OK, so going back to this. um, Apparently, well, they put the classic Animaniacs on Hulu when the reboot episodes started airing a couple of years ago. Right. And then Hulu apparently took them down months and months ago without. I didn't realize that. Neither did I. So I was scrambling to find this episode. And Erin has the box set, the DVD box set, but she has volume one. And that cuts off after like 30 something episodes. Okay. So season one is spread out across volumes one and two of the DVDs. Right. Currently, the only place to find Animaniacs legally is to buy the episodes individually, digitally from, I think, Apple TV Plus or Apple TV, because I thought it was an Apple TV Plus. That was also confusing. So Apple TV or Amazon Prime, I think you can buy the episodes one by one, but it's not streaming anywhere currently as of when we take this episode. Yeah, hopefully that'll change, but yeah. This was also the last original episode to air in 1993. Fox aired reruns after that until February of the following year. This is the episode with a Christmas Carol parody. But before we get to that, we begin with a delightful little parody of the old CBS special presentation logo. That was cute. I loved it. <laughs> I, I got the same feeling from that as I did, like, sitting down to watch Kill Bill Volume 1. <laughs> Yeah, yep. no one's ever compared those before. <laughs> you know, special places in my heart. But you know, you know, like, um, like the when when something is referencing an older, more famous, yeah. you know, intro, and I'm just like, oh, okay, I get it because they're it's, doing it's the thing, meaning flashback, and I'm just like, I love this, and I love it before it even starts. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> that was me. I remember like having that in the theater with Kill Bill Volume 1. And the other one that comes immediately to mind was Superman Returns. The opening credits for that was just oh, doing and I got so excited. And then the rest of the movie happened. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brandon Ralph. Well, actually, Brandon Ralph is in one of our favorite Christmas things, which is the the nine lives of Christmas. It's a Hallmark. It's Christmas a Hallmark. Movie. Christmas. Oh, OK, movie. I'm like, I don't know that one. And then they had a sequel just a uh, a, two years ago? Yeah, two years ago at this point, called The Nine Kittens of Christmas. It's not as good, but you know, it's still a companion piece. Oh, so like, so he's a cat guy in this. It's well, a- he wasn't. You have to watch the <laughs> oh, first one. Oh, see? It's it's a higher tier Hallmark movie because the the um the male lead is actually charismatic and entertaining and not a block of wood. <laughs> oh. Yes, it, it, that piqued Joey's interest. <laughs> so we will happily watch that one together. I will just what I'll just I'll just leave Hallmark on pretty much all Christmas season. I never used to be that person, but now I definitely am. And it, kinda, um, <laughs> it, it, it sneaks up on you. Yeah, when it, when it's the name Lives of Christmas, it's a that's a good one. <laughs> but that's followed by a snowy variant of Newsreel of the Stars. It's the classic origin reel of the Warners, but they added a layer of snow animation, a rare blizzard in Hollywood. Indoors. Yeah, that, I don't know. How, they they slap that in front of a lot of episodes, that one with, with Frank Welker doing the old tiny newsreel voice. Yeah. And what child doesn't love watching Cary Grant wiggle his ears? <laughs> or, not Cary Grant. Clark, Clark Gable. Why does it say Cary Grant? I don't know. It's Clark Gable. Clark Gable wiggles his ears. I was going to say, wait a minute. Cary Grant wiggled his ears? And they gave him a gap in his teeth and everything is, you know, every every child's favorite star. I mean, it's, an, it's Animaniacs. If we start talking about all the old school Hollywood references on Animaniacs, that'll take us for... There's a whole other podcast about that, I believe. <laughs> there sure is. It's the Animaniacast. They just finished up uh, the most recent season of Animaniacs. I have a few episodes left to finish of that, and I'll, I'll finally have seen all of it. I don't know why, but I'm sure I was dimly aware that that was supposed to be Clark Gable. But I don't know that anybody today would be aware (laughs) if you were a child. No, no. My kids have (laughs) no idea what a Clark Gable is. (laughs) But this snow filter that they put on top of it reminded me of like the 90s Internet when people figured out how to make it snow on their GeoCities page. (laughs) And this snow continues through the opening credits along with sleigh bells. And then we head right into our story, which begins on Christmas Eve at the Warner movie lot. The security booth is all decorated and there are even carolers singing outside the main corporate building. And the carolers are also caricatures of celebrities. Did you happen to recognize any of these? I did not catch that, actually. I just felt that, that they were definitely, you know, broad caricatures that you would see on an Animaniacs, but I wasn't paying attention to the individual people. Well, the tall one is definitely Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, <laughs> I saw that there was, you know, like a like a sort of Roseanne looking one. But There's a yeah, Roseanne was there. It's hard to tell because like Arnold had beady eyes in this, but and he's wearing like they're all they're Dickensian carolers. So they all yeah. have hats and coats. So you don't see his muscles. <laughs> but <laughs> one of my favorite, I get it ties in, but one of my all time favorite uh, Tiny Tunes was the one with the dog that's basically Hans and Franz via Arnold 
and it's Rob Paulson's doing his. <laughs> yeah, hear me now and see me later. Yes, I think the pitbull's name was Arnold. They were just like, you know what? Call him Arnold. I think so. And I think there was another one like the extremely wrinkled face of Clint Eastwood. Danny DeVito mm-hmm. is the short one. Yeah. There's a fifth caroler, but the internet can't seem to agree on who that is. I think he looks a little like Bob Hope. A couple of websites claim it's Michael Keaton, but no way. I don't think that Michael Keaton would be an obvious choice there. No, Michael Keaton has shown up on Animaniacs before and he did not oh, yes. look like yeah. that. No. But we cut to the office of Warner Brothers CEO Thaddeus Plotz. And speaking of Frank Welker, there he is. Would you be quiet? Mark off your bingo cards. This is a Frank Welker-tastic episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, And piled up on Plotz's office are gift-wrapped fruitcakes. I had flashbacks to Pee-wee's Christmas special. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> They're on every chair and coffee table. He should have built a room with them. Mm-hmm. Right? A water tower. A water tower. They'll never get out. Wacko would eat his way out. No, but not in, he wouldn't get out until Easter. No, oh, yeah. That's later. That's later. <laughs> You're jumping ahead in the jokes. <laughs> Some of the fruitcakes have cards that read to Thaddeus from Mel Gibson or from Jane Fonda. Oh, brother. Yeah, I'd peg both of them to be the type to have a fruitcake scent. Plotz gets so annoyed by the caroling outside that he throws one of his many fruitcakes out the window at them right into Danny DeVito's mouth. (laughs) And here is where security guard Ralph enters the office, also voiced by Frank Welker. Mr. CEOs of Warner Brothers, I am honored to work for yous and say to yous a Merry Christmas Eve. Ralph is one of the only characters that makes it onto the new Animaniacs, the Hulu Animaniacs. Yeah, for some reason, a lot of them just didn't make the jump, but I'm glad Ralph is there. Yeah, but they did keep Ralph and he still has his job and everything. They did one where he's actually he becomes the head of Warner Brothers in one episode. Does he? Oh, I didn't see that. He's better than Zaslav. Hey, I haven't watched a lot of the, the new season, but we're hoping to. Bring that into the rotation of our show nights. So, But Ralph is our Bob Cratchit for the story. He comes in wearing a Santa hat and some prepared Christmas words as he prepared for plots for the Christmas stuff. And gives to him, of course, a fruitcake made from his wife's hands. Yeah, when he says that, I'm like, that sounds disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> didn't know you could cook, Ralph, let alone... He said it made from his wife's hands, like he ground her hands up. <laughs> Just a fine, nope. No. Maybe that's why Plotz fires him. <laughs> Says he's been going over the damage costs the Warner siblings have accrued upon the company in the end of the year budget. And since it's Ralph's job to catch them, and he's bad at catching them, he's fired. On Christmas Eve. We then cut to later that night and Plotz is still working on the end of the year budget. Shouldn't that be someone else's job? They have accountants. They have accountants. I feel like he should hire someone for that. Or maybe he's a true pre-crisis Scrooge who doesn't want to pay for anything. He doesn't have to. He's a miserable miser. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Jiminy. So he's fine. He's doing the budget himself, muttering to himself to cut costs. The employees must bring their own toilet paper. Don't give Zaslav any ideas. No. 
Then he looks up to find he's in the presence of the chained and bandaged ghost of Slappy Squirrel. <laughs> Why not? You know? Sure, that that works. <laughs> Why don't you lighten up? A horrible old squirrel. What are you doing here? That's what I'd like to know. The studio keeps giving me these stupid cameos. Slappy Squirrel is voiced by Sherry Stoner, who is also a writer and producer for both Animaniacs and Tiny Toon Adventures. Yes. She also co-wrote the films Casper and My Favorite Martian. Busy 90s for her. Oh, wait for it. Sherry Stoner was the live action reference model for two Disney princesses, Ariel and Belle. Whoa. I knew that they were modeled in the same person. I didn't know that it, that, that was the same person who... It's slapping. Yeah, so she acted out the scenes for The Little Mermaid for animators to use as a reference when drawing her, including underwater scenes so they could animate a human body swimming and see what it's supposed to look like. So there's footage of Sherry Stoner in, like, a tank underwater. Oh. And they're just watching the film footage and, and the photos, I guess. So that footage is in the show notes. Nice. That's awesome. So now you can imagine Ariel singing on the beach and it's Slappy Squirrel's voice. (laughs) (laughs) So a Christmas carol. Slappy's standing in for Jacob Marley, complete with the chains and a bandage around her head. But she has to take that off and put her reading glasses on to read her lines. (laughs) There's no fourth wall Animaniacs won't break. Nope. Just tonight you will be visited by three ghosts. Plots asks why and Slappy responds, I don't know. I lost the other page and she walks out. (laughs) (laughs) Now, in hindsight, I wouldn't have known then, but I'm just like, wow, that's like maybe Natasha Leone was also watching Slappy Squirrel when when we were all younger. (laughs) And it's like, that's what I want to (laughs) be. Wow. Nailed it. (laughs) Natasha Leone is Slappy Squirrel. Oh, especially now, especially now, now in her 40s. Right. (laughs) But on her way out, Slappy shouts, hey, where's my $464? Why $464? The Animaniacs wiki says it's believed that was the scale pay for actors in the Screen Actors Guild at the time. Of course it was. Of course it was. Adjusted for inflation, that's $970 in 2023 money. And that, in part, is why strikes happen. Well, Plotz thinks he's hallucinating from working too hard and takes a drink of water only to immediately spit it back out and surprise when his phone rings. He answers and out of the phone's handset pops the (laughs) ghostly figure of Wacko Warner with a Hiya, Plotzy! (laughs) Wacko is our ghost of Christmas past, of course, and he has prepared a little song about it. I'm the ghost of Christmas past in all the folks that you've harassed are glad that I am here at last because Mr. CEO. Yeah, I didn't, right, I forgot this was a musical episode. So did I. I realized the songs weren't on the Animaniacs soundtracks, like the, the actual soundtracks, which I, the first, I'm looking at my, my copy of the cassette of the original soundtrack, which is sitting on my computer desk right now. It's not on there. It's not on the second one because I looked up later and I'm sure you have this in your notes as well. Yep. They released these songs as their own EP years later, like years later. I didn't remember this kind of own EP because it didn't come out till like the late nineties. And I was already in college. 
It's a hip hopera Christmas, what? a Christmas themed yeah. Animaniacs album released in August of 97. But it's just Jingle Bells, Deck the Halls, Ghost of Christmas Past, Ghost of Christmas Presents. That's the whole soundtrack. No, well, because it's an audiobook. Oh. Yeah, so they have like dialogue in between. It's it's a Christmas plots, the hip hop musical. Oh, look at all the, the Yeah, the cast. Cool it says Cool Mo D is in it and Will Wheaton, not the Star Trek one. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Animaniacs.fandom.com. With two L's. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. But this also includes the Warner's rendition of Jingle Bells and Deck the Halls because cash grab. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. I mean, that was that didn't come out to 97. The show wasn't even on the air anymore, I don't think. So weird. Yeah. But yeah, those songs were not on the actual soundtracks. But I remembered them once they started singing. I'm like, I remember this, especially the musical number we'll get to in a few minutes. Yeah. But uh, Wacko sets up a movie projector to show him his memories of Christmas's past. This was actually a clever way to show Christmas past in a very Animaniacs way. I liked that choice. You knew he was going to burst into song when he started bouncing. Yeah. (laughs) Wacko is my favorite Warner sibling, by the way. He is my favorite as well. He's always been my favorite. Yeah. And here's a voice actor we haven't talked about yet in the podcast. Jess Harnell. Really? No, he's never come up yet. He doesn't do that much voice acting. I mean, he's been doing a lot, but I think he's a musician. He's been a singer. Like, first and foremost, is most of his career. Yeah, he's he's in a band called Rock Sugar. Um, Wacko's his most recognizable character, I think, but like most of the rest of the cast, he does a lot of voice acting, but it's not a lot of things you would think of. And if you've ever seen Jess Harnell, he looks like L.A. rocker. Oh, he looks like a rock star. He's had long hair for, you know, 30 something years, 40 years, probably. Every interview I've ever seen of Jess Harnell, he likes to bring up that he is neighbors with William Shatner and William Shatner thinks he's Gene Simmons. (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of an insult (laughs) he seems to be happy about it i mean he chooses to look like that (laughs) i mean being compared to gene simmons is an insult Eh, not to jess arnell not the way you look but but the whole comparison to gene simmons yes yes that's what i mean (laughs) yeah well (laughs) uh jess arnell has also voiced secret squirrel he's ironhide in the transformers movies Oh, yeah. Uh, He's the current or like at some point he was a voice of Crash Bandicoot Uh, for the parents in the in the crowd. If you watched (laughs) Sophia the first with your kids, he was that disgruntled sorcerer Cedric. And on Doc McStuffins, he was Chili the stuffed snowman. Uh, He also sometimes voices Nemo's dad Marlin when they don't feel like paying for Albert Brooks. (laughs) (laughs) Other Disney characters he has done the voice of Roger Rabbit for a few minor things and Br'er Rabbit. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of like random supporting characters. Oh, look, he played Dwayne the Rock Johnson in an episode of Big Mouth. Sure. <laughs> uh, I didn't put this together until reading through his credits. He sang the theme song to Tasmania. Oh, I just watched um, an episode of Jim Cummings podcast on youtube where he had rob paulson on and they did a bunch of uh reminiscing about tasmania you know what i i was thinking recently hey you know what's a show that doesn't get credit tasmania tasmania (laughs) guess what it has a christmas episode so we'll get to it eventually (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> I will bring up one last thing that Jess Harnell has been doing since 1998. He's the announcer on America's Funniest Home Videos. Oh. I didn't know that because I haven't watched America's Home Videos since, since 1992. Since 1992. Before that, yeah, no, I... I <laughs> I only watched the Saget years and like one every so often was just like, oh, this is a Tom Bergeron episode. No, <laughs> no. but Wacko's his baby. And here as the ghost of Christmas past, who actually looks to be dressed more like Tiny Tim for some reason. He sits Plotsy down to watch an old film reel of his life's scroogiest moments, starting with the day Plots was born as an itty bitty baby who immediately starts shouting at the doctor when he brings the delivery bill. A bill? Ha! You slap me! You'll be hearing from my lawyers. Remind me of, um, oh, who's the baby in Roger Rabbit? Baby Herman. Yeah. Yeah, this is, it is very Baby Herman-like. How, are you just born knowing that you're rich? Because... Hey, yeah. I can't imagine, like, a, a, a not-rich person... <laughs> saying you're going to hear from my lawyers as though you already have a team of them. Right. <laughs> Plotz's mother only has one quick line. Such a good boy. But she is voiced by Nancy Lenari, whom I know best as the voice of the animated Morticia Adams in the 90s cartoon. Hmm. She has apparently played uh, Aunt May Parker in the Spidey video game. Oh. And many other roles looks like she's a character actress okay she's played aunt may and a couple things yeah hmm. well then we see five-year-old plotsy meeting santa claus at the mall and he brings out a long table of negotiating lawyers who read his demands he wanted a horse and santa gave him a pony i had to check because we always need to know who the voice of a santa is and it's maurice lamarche playing the mall santa yes come along young man okay so clearly, you, here's your, your panel of lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> You're wearing a business suit as a child. You have money. If you want this stuff, just buy it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the last clip from the past we see is a younger Plotz taking over the Warner Brothers company from his father and then firing him. And Plotz defends himself, saying, I kept his medical benefits going, only to find the ghost of Christmas past is already gone. So he sits back at his desk, dismissing the experience as a terrible dream, only to find a large, wrapped, literal Christmas present materialize on his desk. Yep. Inside the Christmas present is the ghost of Christmas present, played here by Dot. I'm the ghost of Christmas present. It's a pun. Get it? Call her Dottie and you die. Yeah. <laughs> Last time we talked about Tress McNeil on this podcast, she was Angelica's mom on Rugrats. Maybe that's why I kept saying Angelica at the top. <laughs> you did no such thing. What are you talking about? No. <laughs> there, there was a Simpsons episode on recently where they actually shout out Tress. Where What is it? It's, um, it's, it's the episode where Bart joins a 4-H club and he <laughs> has to raise a calf. And... And that's where he meets Mary Spuckler and da 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 da. But um, at one point, Bart realizes, "Oh no! If my my calf wins, then they're gonna take him off the slaughter. Oh well, they're gonna do it for everybody." And then Lisa plays sad barnyard noises on a CD player underneath his bed, and he's and Bart finds it, takes it out. It says "barnyard noises" by Tress McNeil. 
something like that. <laughs> and then later, later, because it's Simpsons, Homer ends up, you know, in place of the calf who's now ready for slaughter. And then you hear a voice that says, now entering the killing floor. And Homer goes, hmm, sounds like Trust McNeil. <laughs> <laughs> so Dot tosses plots into a now empty gift box, jumps in after him, and they both land at the entrance to Happy Trail Trailer Park, where we learned Ralph lives. And we also learn Ralph has a son who's very upset to learn his dad has been fired, swears revenge on Mr. Plotz, and in his anger rips off his teddy bear's head. <laughs> it's Rob Paulson voicing uh, Ralph Jr. here. Oh, that Mr. Plotz, someday I'll show him I will. You know who this kid reminded me of design-wise? Uh, he reminded me of the episode of Batman the Animated Series where they had the Toy Man in, in uh, the Grey Ghost episode. They made the Toy Man look like Bruce Tim. Oh. And that's what I was thinking of. Wow. No, I went far, I went way farther back. You, you ever see those old Foghorn Leghorn cartoons where he has to take care of the hen's young chick who's a genius and yeah. he's got those oh, same okay. big round glasses and beady eyes? Oh, yes. Tiny little dots for eyes, big glasses. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. Smart chick. Yep. Yes. So Ralph tells his son to try not to let this spoil their Christmas. And here we get a wider shot of them. And Ralph's trailer looks huge on the inside. It's like the TARDIS. It is like the TARDIS. It looks like it's got 20 foot high ceilings. They go on for days. They have room for a dining room table, a bookshelf, an armchair, a TV table. And it still looks like there's a lot of Space in there. Ralph lives in a TARDIS trailer. <laughs> Endless warehouse. Yeah. In career. Yeah. Here's also where we meet Ralph's wife, who looks and sounds exactly like him, but with curly blonde hair and wearing a dress. Dinner time! Which makes me think of the Van Houtens. I know it's very <laughs> interesting, but... I mean, okay, so clearly, <laughs> there's, there's the Van Houtens, you know. Okay, parents look the same. The son looks like the parents, right? How does Ralph's son look utterly nothing like either of them? He says, I'm adopted. Oh, he does say he's adopted. Okay, he says it really quickly. I'm adopted. But but does he say it like he wants to be adopted? That's what I thought. No, he's like saying it like an aside to the audience. Oh. Okay. Yeah, that could have gone either way for me, but that makes a lot more sense if you're saying it like that. Mm -hmm. and not just like in denial to himself. This is a pun um, that... When he served the turkey jello? Yes. Right, right. But yeah, on account of Ralph getting fired, they can't afford turkey for Christmas dinner. So instead, Mrs. Ralph made delicious turkey jello. And I've never been a jello fan, but it should definitely not be savory. No, it should be cloudy and brown. No, nope. oh, come on. There's always room for jello. <laughs> Yeah, here's where he mutters, I'm adopted. And the Animaniacs wiki also took that seriously when I looked it up. <laughs> but they keep referring to him every time on the whole wiki as Ralph's adopted son. <laughs> Man. Wow. Let's drive that home. We don't want you thinking that Ralph actually spawned. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want you to think about that. No. Nope. But apparently delicious turkey jello is also where Plotch draws the line. He says, take me away from this place. And he's back in his office and tells himself he's got to get out of there before the third ghost shows up. But too late. His grandfather clock strikes midnight. The room goes dark. And in a panic, Plotz picks up the phone and calls security. 
And then he remembers Ralph was security. Whoops. <laughs> and with a flash of lightning, the floating hooded ghost of Christmas yet to come appears in the office. And initially he looks quite spooky. It's a great reveal, and the editors agreed because that's where they cut to a commercial break. <laughs> Things have gone wacky at McDonald's. I'm hungry. So what else is new? Now in a Happy Meal, you can get one of eight wacky Animaniacs toys that pops up and down or goes round and round. May we take your order, please? Thanks. We're starved. One toy with each Animaniacs Happy Meal you buy. On the Snow and Southtown Christmas podcast, we discuss Christmas movies, Christmas music, and we have fun segments where we always talk about something weird and something fun related to Christmas on each episode. If we're tired of making fun of Michael Bublé, I might recommend Pentatonics. I'm not going to play you two on this, on this podcast. Thank you. He's eating ice cream and crunch taters. He's just partying, man. Thank God it's them instead of you, right? I was going to say he was rolling over in his grave, but I don't think he's dead, but... Well, he's still doing it. When he heard Patty LaBelle, he <laughs> dug his grave and he rolled in it. How about 10s and 20s? 10s and 20s. Be sure to check out our website at snowandsouthtown.wordpress.com, where you'll find links to our Facebook, our Twitter, and our Discord. Uh, yeah, I'd like the tiny tots, please. You mean a, some small tater tots? <laughs> yeah, yeah, your tiny tots. He told them the whole time. They know one beagle. Fire that up. Speaking my language now. You can stream our podcast at iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. It's a problematic movie. Yeah, we should pee together at least once per decade, really. He is Dallas Snow Sato because he's, he's jingling those bells. bells. Some <laughs> jingling them bells. Jingle those bells. Look what you did, you little jerk. Check out Snow in Southtown. You won't you regret did. it. And by won't, I mean will. <laughs> but of course, when we return, the ghost removes his hood, and it's just Yakko with a cheerful, Hello, I'll be your ghost of Christmas future this evening. It's been a few years since we've heard from Rob Paulson on this podcast. Do you remember the last time we talked about him, Joey? Uh, it wasn't G.I. Joe, was it? It was G.I. Joe. Wow. His earliest voice credit. His his really early work. Like, uh, man, that might have been. I remember when we, we recorded that episode. But was that before or after I read his book, which I highly recommend? It's uh, called Voice Lessons. That was a 2020 episode. Uh, that was when I read his book in pandemic year one. But yeah. yeah, that was one of his earliest voice acting roles. He was sort of he was doing more commercial work like he got. He was a, a singer in a cover band for a while. Like he was, you know, making a living as a cover singer and got into acting and really did well in the commercial realm. Like he's in you'll find like online, you can find commercials. He was in for McDonald's and like Jack in the Box out in California. Oh, wow. And he was doing that for a while. And then. Got into voice acting and Snow Job on G.I. Joe was one of his earliest voice roles. Mm -hmm. But yeah, by this time, you know, he had already done Turtles and, you know, right. Much bigger time. Oh, yeah. Big time. But, you know, Yakko and Pinky. I mean, his Twitter <laughs> is Yakko Pinky. So that's right. Yeah. It is. The most concise resume. <laughs> <laughs> so Yakko yanks off his ghostly cloak to reveal a tuxedo. A matching top hat gets tossed to him from off screen, and with the push of a button on an Acme remote, Plotz's office disappears like a theater curtain opening. And now they're in space among the stars as Yakko drags Plotz by the arm into his future via staircase lined with chorus girls. Keep a dream, hear us scream his name. Plotz! Had no fun, and he's the one to blame. 
blame. Hello, nurses. Say, why don't you stop by the water tower and I'll show you my stamp collection. But, Diaco, you don't have a stamp collection. All right, then you can open my mail. Let me know when those costumes get heavy. <laughs> yeah, this is like Yakko at his most Groucho Marxist. This whole oh bit. yeah, he's like he's even like yeah, he does the cigar thing, the cigar thing where he's tapping it like an imaginary cigar, yeah. not the driving crooner. <laughs> no, <laughs> but yeah, like I mean, Yakko's always been a shameless, you know, Groucho thief. Oh yeah, but this segment very much so. <laughs> Knox plots off the top of this stairway to nowhere, sending him pummeling back down to Earth, where plain clothes Yakko is waiting for him. Plain pants Yakko, I guess. Plain clothes Yakko. <laughs> They're in Plotz's office, but in the future, it's not his office anymore. It's Ralph's sons. Adopted sons. Ralph's adopted sons. <laughs> he loves his dad. He's old and grumpy like Plotz now, complete with a comb over. Tells whoever's on the phone. No! And tell that Urkel guy he's too old to wear his pants that high. It's embarrassing. What's more believable about how 1993 saw the future? The desk phone still having a cord or Jaleel White still having a career as Steve Urkel? (laughs) (laughs) But Plotz wonders if Ralph's son is running the studio now, where is he? And Wacko leads Plotz to the window and points in the direction of the Forest Woodlawn Cemetery, which I got curious about and looked up whether that was a real cemetery near the Warner Brothers Studios. And (laughs) close enough, the actual name is Forest Lawn, and it's a chain of cemeteries in SoCal. Mm -hmm. Well, that's where Plotz thinks Yakko is pointing, but no, the place he's actually pointing to is the front gate where Ralph's son now employs Plotz as his security guard. Something far worse. (laughs) And we see the older Plotz with Annette looking for the Warners, who have not aged. Oh, Plotzy! They're timeless. They're cursed immortal gremlins. (laughs) (laughs) Who now force Plotz to chase after them, all while Ralph's son yells at him from his old office, repeating the very same line once shouted at his father, You're finished! You failed! You're fired! Merry Christmas. And washed-up future Plotz unknowingly runs right through his present-day counterpart, who can't bear to see anymore, and we see his office reappear around him. I wonder what actually sent him over the edge, having to work security or getting fired from working security. Maybe the fact that the Warners didn't age. (laughs) Maybe, yeah, that's it. (laughs) They're still here. (laughs) But when Plotz realizes he's back in his own office, he kisses his desk... Shouts out the window to the Warners, now dressed like Dickensian street urchins. You down there! What day is today? It's Christmas Day! Whoa, dumber than advertised. I like the fake snow tableau here. I mean, it's in Burbank, so they're on a movie lot. Of course there's fake snow in a set. Right, so it's a guy in a ladder dumping a box of soap flakes in front of a fan. Yeah. Plotch jumps for joy, tosses a big bag of money down to the Warners, and tells them to buy the biggest fruitcake they can find. And send it to Ralph's house, which, first off, watch what you say to those kids. (laughs) But more importantly, where'd all the fruitcake that was piled up in your office go? How many episodes of this podcast have you talked about fruitcake on and how it's a running gag about how no one eats fruitcake? 
We talked about it in the Pee Wee one, but how many episodes do you think in total you oh, talked about fruitcake? A handful, at least four. <laughs> Probably more than that. How many times have you actually received a fruitcake for Christmas? Never. I've never received a fruitcake for Christmas. <laughs> Not once. <laughs> Mel Gibson and Jane Fonda went through all the trouble of having their people send Plotz's people a fruitcake and it's suddenly missing. Ralph would have loved a Jane Fonda fruitcake. <laughs> so we cut to Ralph's now much smaller looking trailer all of a sudden <laughs> and he and his wife and son sing we wish you a Merry Christmas and dance around their tiny Charlie Brown tree we wish you a Merry Christmas and a really swell New Year's of course when Plotz arrives carrying a large pile of presents which he drops onto Ralph's son when he walks in the trailer's huge again it's magic cartoon physics yeah it's a TARDIS and it's wibbly wobbly. <laughs> so Plotz tells Ralph, no, I didn't fire you. He said Ralph inspired him. Nice save. Tells Ralph to come back to work, but take a week off first. Gives Ralph's wife a kiss on the hand and then begs Ralph Jr. You still like me, right? Please don't ever take over the studio. I'll give you a pony. Ralph Jr. angrily replies, I want a horse. Good grief. It's a running gag. <laughs> And here, as I expected, is where the Warners show up, now in their <laughs> usual outfits, with the biggest fruitcake they could find, and it's a 20-foot-tall monstrosity that has to be flown in via helicopter. And they drop it right on top of plots. They climb on top with spoons and a short plots. Don't worry, we'll have you out by Easter. Tell them Merry Christmas to you, too, and the segment ends like it's a wonderful life with bells ringing in a tower and the end written across the screen. Not bad for a 12-minute version of A Christmas Carol. Right. Yeah, they zoom through it, even by, like, you know, cartoon short standards. Yeah, I'm surprised they managed to fit it in with only one commercial break between the two segments, between the one segment. We haven't gotten to the second segment yet. But I wish we had more time in Christmas present with Dot. Yeah. We didn't really need that staircase scene in the future with Yakko, but I'll take what I can get. Well, the Frodo Harley Quinns. <laughs> 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 that is something they notably cut from the uh, modern Animaniacs is Yakko uh, hitting on ladies and Hello Nurse and, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, Hello Nurse isn't in it at all? Nope. Ah, uh, I think they probably I think they made a joke at some point about it. But yeah, I mean, I understand, but they could have had her do something. Well, now she's just on Futurama as the doctor. <laughs> now she's just on Futurama <laughs> as the doctor. I still think it's funny the Animaniacs wiki took Ralph Jr.'s comment that he was adopted and, like, kept calling him Ralph's adopted son. That's wild. <laughs> well, that's the Christmas Carol portion of the Christmas Carol episode, but now it's time for the Warners to make a mockery of biblical apocrypha in Little <laughs> Drummer Warners. They don't make that much of a mockery, actually. I no, it was, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's actually very sweet. We open in Bethlehem outside of an inn, helpfully labeled in. <laughs> with a sign outside that reams no room and the stable where baby Jesus is born is just at the end of a road of buildings you know instead of a wall or another building it's just a small stable with the star of Bethlehem shining right over it 
This segment starts very solemnly with a chorus singing Silent Night and Mary holding her baby over a manger as Joseph stands next to them in a very cute looking animated live nativity scene. A couple of very 90s animated looking cows looking dreamy eyed at a baby. <laughs> Those 90s cows and their dreamy eyes. <laughs> <laughs> we then pan outside the city walls to a nearby grassy hill where the Warners are playing the role of our shepherds. And that's about as wacky as this gets. It's actually very sweet. Yeah, that's the only, I think, like real lyric change, barely, in the whole thing. Yeah, that's what I was going to, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. I'm sorry for jumping, but it's pretty much the only sort of like, let's let's throw an anachronistic joke in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Animaniacs wiki and almost everywhere else on the internet that I saw this covered mentioned it's, quote, one of the few times the Warner Brothers and Sister Dot are present for a certain historical slash religious event where they don't antagonize anyone. That's true. <laughs> I was waiting for them to just like drive the, the three kings crazy, but no, it doesn't <laughs> happen. That line about wishing they had a car is the only deviation from the traditional lyrics in any of these songs in this segment. I had remembered more, but nope. They're largely playing this one straight, which I wouldn't call weird, but it definitely sets this episode apart from the others. Yeah, and I mean, if if they did play it as as usual, I I don't think that would be as... Nice. <laughs> I mean, yeah. obviously. If, right. <laughs> it's a very respectful yes, segment overall. Yes. Sure. No, they, they, it's it's very sweet. It's very well done. The weirdest part for me is they're walking into the city to the tune of Old Little Town of Bethlehem and the city is dead. Yeah. There is no one else around as they're walking in following that star. That's unusual to me. We're in Bethlehem in the first place because a census is happening. So it should be crowded and bustling. That's why there's no room in the inn. But it's how still we see the lie. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> that, that's it's it. a that's... deep and dreamless sleep. <laughs> and silent. <laughs> and yeah, it's literally a silent night aside from that kid's choir, but... That's just voiceover as the Warners make their way to the stable and do that thing every cartoon trio does when they peek into a doorway where their heads (laughs) appear one at a time and make little flute noises. (laughs) That trope actually has a name on TV tropes. It's called the Scooby Stack. (laughs) That makes sense. The choir then shifts to a way in a manger as the Warners make their way over to look at the baby. And this shot of them looking over the manger with the starlight pouring in from above is gorgeous. I thought it was beautiful. Like, there's usually little visual depth in terms of animation, especially on, you know, something that's supposed to be, like, schlocky. Right. You know? Um, But there's so many layers, and there's a perspective. There's the actual star going down through the ceiling, through the roof, through past dot. It's really nice. Yeah, this was extra credit for someone. Someone decided I'm I'm going to do a really good job with this one scene and make it really nice looking. As I realized the starlight's coming in because there's a hole in the thatched roof. They're in a thatched <laughs> roof cottage. Thatched roof cottages! <laughs> 
We then pan up to the star and then back down over the desert as we three kings follow it into the city on camelback. Well, two are on camelback. The third's on a donkey in the middle. But the two riding camels are bouncing up and down on the humps as they ride, and their song is accompanied by temple blocks making galloping noises. <laughs> That's the horse galloping percussion instrument, kids. They're called temple blocks. <laughs> we three kings of Orient are bearing gifts we traverse afar. Uh, Rob Paulson and Jess Harnell voice two of the singing kings. The third is Jim Cummings. The aforementioned Jim Cummings. I could tell Rob was one of them, and I figured Jess Harnell was one of them. Yeah, do you remember the last time we heard from Jim Cummings on the podcast? OEO, Tailspin? As Don Carnage telling you to shut up with the jingle belling. (laughs) (laughs) They're floundering on there. (laughs) The kings arrive and they begin singing Little Drummer Boy, which makes sense for the first verse. It's their finest gifts they bring. The one with gold just brings a gold crown, which is odd, but okay. Even the Warners stare in awe at the gifts until they realize, uh uh-oh, they didn't bring anything. Baby Jesus, ba-rum-ba-bum-bum. We are just poor kids too, ba-rum-ba-bum-bum. And they turn out their pockets of their shepherd's robes. I didn't know they had pockets. And and I'm surprised because whenever a lady has pockets, they're always like, thanks, it has pockets, and they show you. So with sad faces, they sing the next verse. And it's Wacko who offers to play the drum. Of course it's Wacko. Shall I play for you, pa-rum-pum-pum-pum, on my drum? He's been wearing Chekhov's drum around his neck this whole time. (laughs) Why does the shepherd have a drum? We don't know. We'll find out. Give it another act or so. Nobody tell them. So Mary silently nods, and the song suddenly shifts to a jazz beat. <laughs> Mary nodded. And we actually see the oxen lamb keeping time as they step to the beat. I like that. I laughed at that. Yeah, that's yeah. cute. I think the first time I watched this back in 1993, that was the first time I really thought about the concept of an ox and a lamb keeping time to a drum solo. <laughs> The longer I think about that, the sillier it gets. <laughs> it's a Christmas miracle. Well, they nod and, and you know, they go clip clop sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> the animals have a better sense of rhythm than some humans I know. <laughs> but the king starts snapping along and Mary and Joseph just looked on stunned. And that's Yakko's cue to shout, hit it. And now Wacko's got a whole drum kit. And if you thought the oxen lamb keeping time was ridiculous, he is now accompanied by sheep playing trumpets and cows playing saxophones. <laughs> and Yakko and Dot have changed into their swing dance clothes. Before the swing dance uh, craze of the late 90s. Before the, yeah, I have a note about that. In my notes, I typed, did Animaniacs kick off the swing revival in this cartoon? <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, the answer is no. Big Bad Voodoo Daddy's been around since 1989. So I was going to say that 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 there's there's one small musical phrase that they use during this whole swing dance scene that I'm like, that was Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. Was it, what do you mean it's last call? No, Mr. Ben Houghton, no, it was not. (laughs) 
Again, Kirk Van Houten loves swing dance music. <laughs> yes, sure does. Another Ladder Simpsons episode where Kirk Van Houten wants to listen to his mixtape in the car, which is just different live versions of, of you and me in the bottle make three. Oh, the no. <laughs> <laughs> I had a roommate once where like his entire CD collection was live bootlegs of the Dave Matthews band. Oh, oh, that was pretty much every wing that I was in in the ladies' dorms yeah. throughout <laughs> the entirety of college. <laughs> it was it was a time, folks. A 45-minute version of Trippin' Billy's, whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that brought me back. This whole part is great. My only complaint is Wacko's actual drum solo is too short. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's about it's supposed to be about the little drummer warners, but yeah. right, yeah. But Mary loved it. She claps with enthusiasm when they're done, and the warners, back in their shepherd's robes, run back over to the major to see what the baby thought. And he opens his eyes and smiled at them. And he smiled at me, me and my drum. And that's it. And now you know the plot. <laughs> <laughs> Cute little Christmas card from the Warners and a perfect little addition to the Christmas plot story, which, as we mentioned, was adapted into an audiobook called A Christmas Plot's the Hip Hop Musical. <laughs> Very random. Again, after the show was 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 off the air, too. I want to know how well that sold and why it waited so long. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Wait, wait, when did it come out? 97, I think 97. It said. Okay, I was thinking, was it? I know Wacko's Wish isn't technically a Christmas special, but it feels like it to me. I wondered if it was a tie-in for that, but that was 99, I think. Well, it says Animaniacs ended in 98. Oh, okay. So it was still on the air. It was hanging by a thread. I do want to note the uh, the writers of A Christmas Plots because they were two of the most important and prolific Animaniacs writers. Sure. Uh, Randy Rogel, who oh, co-wrote yes. a lot of the songs he wrote, you know, uh, Yakko's World. And um, a couple years ago, we watched the, uh, the live stream because Rob Paulson and and Randy Rogel and sometimes Reese and Larsh go and do their road show and they perform the Animaniac songs. Oh, that's right. And we watched uh, Rob and Randy Rogel did a web stream of them playing them together and told a lot of the stories behind them. And they, you know, tell they tell the stories of writing the songs as well as part of it. So Randy Rogel was a main writer for Animaniacs. And Paul Rugg, not Paul Rudd, Rugg with two Gs. Rugg, yeah. Who wrote a lot of episodes for them. And he uh, created Freakazoid. I think he yes. was the voice of Freakazoid. I think you're right. But also, most importantly, he was always the voice of Mr. Director. Oh. Yeah. He okay. spoke for Laven. <laughs> <laughs> Let him in, you should. <laughs> How did you, with the running, you were there, and now you're here for me to see. <laughs> How'd you do? How'd you do? <laughs> Man, I've it's seen... It's too small for your fat <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Hearts of Twilight so many times. Oh, that's so, so many times. Oh. But I've never seen Apocalypse Now. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't to. but I don't need to, because I've seen that Animaniacs episode 50 uh, times. Right, yeah, no, you're good. Yeah. And that's the ending of this episode. The ending. Uh, one last <laughs> note. <laughs> one last note. The closing credits. If you're a nerd who likes to pause and read all the credits, 
Yeah. You know, every episode of Animaniacs includes one gag credit to Catherine Page, who is in reality uh, Tom Ruger, the show's creator's assistant. But in this episode, she's credited as stocking stuffer. <laughs> Cute. But any final thoughts about this episode of Animaniacs? It was one I hadn't seen or really thought about much in a while, because, again, like it's not one that's. That's one of the ones with the, you know, the Jerry Lewis bits or, mm-hmm. or classic Pinky in the Brain. But once I watch, I'm like, oh, I remember all of this. I'm sure I remember this musical number on the staircase. And yeah, so it was enjoyable to see it again, especially after I've been watching, you know, the newer ones for a while lately on and off. It's, it's overall sweet, which is a nice change of pace. So, you know, that's that's nice. I mean, <laughs> that's sweet and that's nice. It's pretty much my feedback. <laughs> it's good feedback. No, I like to revisit it every few years. It's not yeah. when I watch every Christmas, but like every few years I remember it and I remember that little Drummer Warners segment and it's just really nice to, to come back to, especially as you mentioned, like watching these new seasons, it's always good to go back to the classics. But mm-hmm. But again, there's also another Christmas episode of the recent revival series and the old series that we may circle back to at some point. Uh, Sounds fabulous. Yes. <laughs> but thank you both for being my ox and lamb who kept time. We're going to like jazz it up now. <laughs> I, uh, where's my saxophone? <laughs> <laughs> Bill Clinton plays the sax. That's, That's right. Why didn't they have him there? Yeah. I don't know. He's not doing <laughs> anything. <laughs> Not in 1993? No. <laughs> no, I mean, I can... I, I thought you meant for the revival. No, he's just running the country. But <laughs> if people want to drop a 20-foot fruitcake in front of your trailer, where can they find you on the internet? Aaron? Uh, well, I'm still calling it Twitter. Fine by me. <laughs> Ms. Aaron M. Evans. <laughs> and Joey. You can also find me on the platform known as Twitter at... I'm going to DJ 24 and always on Why Not Radio at whynotradio.net. And as always, those links are in the show notes of this episode. You can find every episode of the Advent Calendar House as well as links to wherever else I'm hiding out on the Internet at this point at adventcalendar.house. Those are the facts. Those are the facts. We will be back with a full season of 12 episodes counting down to Christmas Eve in December starting with a long-lost special I've been meaning to cover since the very beginning of this podcast that's now finally widely available to watch. Until then, for Aaron and Joey, from the heavens above, peeking in through the hole in your thatched roof stable, (laughs) this is Mike Westfall saying, please mind the icy patch. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. And joining me is Princess Angelina Contessa Luisa Francesca Banana Fanafo Best. Nope. That's two. <laughs> is Princess Angelina Contessa Luisa Francesca Banana Fana Bo Besca Fo? The third. No, it's Fo. It, yes. <laughs> one more. <laughs> you ain't no Tress McNeil. Mm-hmm. No one is. Not even Tress McNeil. Is Princess Angelica Contessa Luisa Francesca nope. Banana Fan? Angelina. Angelina. I have that here. You said so, Angelica. Yeah. Like and joining me, take 138, is Princess Angelina. Nope. Happy Christmas! Next time on the Advent Calendar House. 
Is it holiday time in your neighborhood? Well, it is here, and all my neighbors would like to share it with you.